were all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer Well, hey, good morning, everybody. This is uh, Behind the Beards. Um, and if we're watching Behind the Beards, that means it is Tuesday morning and we're live. And here we uh, pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and try to reveal the things that you need to know about your ministers and your ministry leaders. I'm Joshua Fowler, a preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and my typical screen uh, screen partner is in the Pacific Northwest, traveling home. So uh, appreciate uh, my man, Jonathan Germany, for stepping in. Um, we had to have one good beard somewhere Absolutely. on the screen behind the beard. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a few, uh, few weeks away from being able to, to grow mine out again. So Mine's all scraggly yeah. looking today, though. I saw a picture of, you know, I was looking through pictures, you know, of, of this summer, something we're doing. I was like, oh, man, I forgot how much I miss my beard. So, um, eagerly anticipating the day where I can put the razor away. Uh, so Jonathan, man, since you were on the podcast last, you're now in Haleyville, Alabama, right? I am. The big am. metropolis that is Haleyville, Alabama. How many? So big, uh, my phone might not have service, and you know when I walk into a store, or when I'll right. drive down the street, <laughs> <laughs> or, or driving down the street, right? <laughs> um, how many uh, restaurants you got there? Oh, man. So let's can see. You, can you count them on one hand? <laughs> almost. 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 I mean, you, you, so they, they tore down the Taco Bell we had and built a new Taco Bell. But then they don't have enough staff. So they're, the lobby's closed after like 5 p.m. The only time Taco Bell is good is after midnight. Right? Yeah. Fourth meal. So uh, we sometimes we do that on Wednesday nights. We go the youth group and I we go out to eat, and we wanted to go to Taco Bell. So now we just drive through the Taco Bell drive-through, and they have this outdoor seating area that's actually kind of nice. And we oh, just yeah. like, well, you know, what? we'll sit down here. <laughs> You're so gonna close your lobby. lobby. Well, we're gonna we're gonna yeah. yeah. Just the lobby's closed because of staff. So they still stay open late through the drive-through. That sure, makes, that's okay. late for Halo. That's, that's acceptable. <laughs> That's acceptable. Uh, we, we had a lot of folks like that, a lot of places that just, I don't know if they are. So there's, there's something's not like connecting, right? Because everybody says they're understaffed, but I have so many people that say they're looking for work. It's like, so if you're looking for work and you're understaffed, how come we can't connect these two dots? And I'm wondering if some of these, uh, particularly fast food restaurants have just said, Hey, we can, we're in, because their drive-thrus are always full. Like, I haven't been through a drive-thru in so long because I refuse to sit in line for, in my opinion, subpar food. So, like, if your lobby's not open where I can come in and grab something quick, I'm out. I'll, yeah. just, I'll just go hungry because I'm not sitting in line in a drive-thru. Well, there's not many other options here in, in this town. So, Well, that's true. <laughs> um, I, I do have options. You got in, Mexican? My town. And barbecue. And Mexican. That's all you really need. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, somebody else in my household does not agree. <laughs> may not may not agree. Yeah. 
No, I hear that. Well, hey, um, I know you guys there uh, at Ninth Avenue just kind of did a, a recent service project with uh, the school there in town. Absolutely. And, um, you know, we're coming up on, you know, that time of year. You have, you know, fall things, Thanksgiving, coming off of the summertime where a lot of those things go on. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about um, service projects and kind of the nuts and bolts of planning and executing service projects, some of the things that we do with it. So um, you have a favorite service project that you've ever done as a minister or as a kid? Oh, man. As a kid. Or a participant. While you're thinking about it, I'll share yeah. with you mine because I did not share with you the notes that I have. I just realized that. <laughs> I don't think you still have access to this document. So um, you're going to you're gonna be like one who's being interviewed, I guess. You're going to have to just go with the flow. Um, that's right Uh, my favorite service project was one that we did in kansas city with uh some of my kids and it wasn't someone brought this to me we went downtown one of our students was learning to knit and crochet and she made a whole bunch of hats and mittens and we went down we went downtown just planning to kind of go around and and share some things with there were several places that had a lot of homeless folks and the weather was starting to get cold. Um, and we were just handing out bags of, of water with some snacks and some gloves and hats in each bag. Um, and just talking to people um, on the streets down there. And we ended up um, coming across the uh, food bank that was there, the homeless shelter. And the group that they had coming to serve that night uh, had something come up and couldn't make it. And so we went in and we helped organize the, the food pantry aspect. And then some of our folks went and served uh, dinner. Uh, and it was just uh, one of those things that, I mean, developed really organically. Um, we kind of stumbled into some things that we weren't planning to do that turned out to be really, really good and powerful things. Uh, and then after everything was done, one of the directors of the place uh, came in and, and prayed over the kids and the group and, and gave a little chat and kind of an impromptu devotional. And it was just one of those things. I was like, this is really cool. I wish I could figure out how to plan something like this um, intentionally, instead of having the greatness just kind of fall into our laps. So yeah, uh, pretty, pretty powerful evening for us. Anything memorable from, from your experiences? Yeah. So um, I'm sure we'll talk about the, uh, the, the school ministry. So I won't, I won't mention that. We'll get, we'll probably bring that up. Throughout, the, throughout the, this podcast. Right. But um, growing up, two things stick out to me. One was our junior beta club. Our beta club, you know, did some service projects. And I remember um, going to a nursing home and dying Easter eggs with uh, all the old folk. Um, and And that was real fun, just spending time with them. And my guy just kept trying to eat the eggs. And, uh, and here I am being like, no, we got to dye the eggs. And he's like shoving his mouth, just like stuffing his face full of these, you know, hard boiled eggs, which I guess works too. Um, <laughs> so that was, uh, an experience. Um, but then of course I was able to help do a lot of stuff with the shelter at Goodwood when Katrina hit. And oh, right, of right. course that, that one is, how can you not, how can you not, you know, remember that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how does that not leave an impact if you have a heart? 
right. you know, and you and you show up to a, a gym full of, you know, wall to wall mattresses and people uh, who are just happy that, you know, they're there. Yeah, kind of it's it some, kinda form made of, a big... some form of AC, right? And and yes. cover. Yes, uh, I had to write down dying Easter eggs at a nursing home. That sounds like a really, it's easy, really neat experience. Easy, but also, I mean, you think about what is needed in places like a nursing home, you know, and it's the interaction with people. Um, and also because of you know the nature of the way life travels, sometimes it is that those not childish but childlike activities um, that really connect in different ways as you get older. Yeah. You know, and the older I get, the more I'm like, man, it's hard to remember what it was like when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes just doing those activities with my kids or, you know, grandkids um, helps me realize, yeah, you know, there's some there's some powerful things in those children's activities, coloring. Yeah. Um, dying Easter eggs. My wife loves that kind of stuff, too. And she's really good at yeah. and, and our family with that. Yeah, and a lot of things, you know, the, the dying the Easter egg with with the nursing home, it wasn't about the dying the Easter eggs. It was about right. oh he 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 here's a little kid spending time with me, and for them, it's almost like I get to I don't get to see my grand my my grandkids or I may not have any grandkids or maybe they don't right. come visit me right. or maybe they just only come visit me once a year and here it is where they get to spend time with I hate to use the word surrogate grandkids but. It's just I get to I get to spend time with someone that actually wants to be here, right? Yeah, and before we get into the nuts and bolts of of just putting a service project together, um, I spent um, seven years when I was in the car business. Every Sunday afternoon, I would preach a sermon at a nursing home um, near the church that we were at. So we would go to church in the morning, we would go to lunch. And then we would go to the nursing home at two o'clock in the afternoon and different folks from the church would come and help do communion and lead singing. And I would just preach for him. And Heather and my three kids always came with us. Um, and those people couldn't care less what I preached about. <laughs> the one thing they cared about was, you know, that my wife and my kids were there. They loved the kids when they came in. They loved it when the kids would come with the folks that would help as well. Uh, there's a few times that I had to go like on my own if Heather was out of town or had the kids out of town or something. And I would show up and they would see me come in and they were like, Josh, how are you? You know, where's Heather and the kids? I was like, well, they're out of town this weekend. It's like, oh. <laughs> like, so, yeah, like, oh. Like, but I get it. I get it. You know, they're we didn't come good this. kids and good people, but... Um, there is that that craving, you know, for things that maybe they ha they don't get in other ways for whatever reason, right? They feel isolated, so being able to do that is really, really a powerful thing, and uh, and so necessary as well. And not only that, but man, how much stuff do you end up learning as you interact with people that have lived so much life, right? Um, that's kind Absolutely. of one of the the cool aspects of it. But planning um, a service project is tough. Uh, you know, how do you go about like trying to discover what needs to be done and how you can serve? I've got somebody asking me now, Hey, I need uh, 10 hours of community service for uh, something we're doing here at the school. 
um, can I come to the church and do something for you? I'm like, absolutely you can. And now I'm like, what do I have him do? Like, um, I'd like to do, you know, like five here at the church and maybe five, you know, somewhere else in the community. But um, now I got to go drum up some stuff. And you guys are just doing something with the, the, the school there that's in your town. So, yeah, you know, how do you begin to like kind of set the, the framework for a service project and choose activities? See, that's hard because I think it's really about one, you have to know your people, I would say. Because, you know, you have to know what your people need or what your community needs. Right, and, right. That, and so if you're not engaged with your community, you'll have you'll you'll be I don't know what to do if you're not engaged with because when the more you're engaged, the more you'll run into opportunities. But then you have to look for them because while you're engaging, I keep using that word, but while you're with other people in your community, you'll learn that. Not everybody has their life together or, hey, this could use some improvement. Maybe it's, hey, this park, the fences need a new coat of paint mm -hmm. or and that's easy. Uh, paints, I mean, paint's not that expensive. And um, or, hey, no, who's supposed to pick up the park? Let's go pick up trash or just small things. A lot of times when we think of service projects, we want to think of what's going to make the biggest impact. And then we try to, not saying we should think, you know, too small, but we think almost that everything has to be massive. Right. Everything has to be a big impact, a big splash. And that's, that's really not true. No, it's not. And sometimes the smallest things have some of the biggest impact um, that, that you just don't know. I mean, you have the analogy, right? You throw a, throw a pebble in a pond. And, and you see how far out the ripples go, you know? So sometimes some of the smallest things that you can do have um, lasting impacts and effects that you don't ever really imagine. Um, and I think it is important to know not only um, the people in your community, but also know the people who are going to show up to do the service project. Uh, because, yes. <laughs> you know, um, if I've got a, if I've got, chainsaws and, and things like that that need to be operated. And I have a whole bunch of, um, you know, kids or sometimes even adults who have <laughs> no ability to, to use them. It's like, okay, um, am I going to put you in a more dangerous situation with, with what we've have to do? Um, you know, so, so no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always tell people if, if we're building something, I'm a gopher. And uh, that's my talent. I can hold a board. I can go get something. But they're like, oh, hey, go cut this. I'm like, um, you sure? <laughs> I will if you want me to. But if you want it done properly, get somebody else. That's funny. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause here for a moment. Um, what is over your right shoulder? This shoulder? Yes. Are you in a museum? It is wonderful. Wonderful. So they had this up in the classroom here. And Hang I on. said, for those, you're, for those you're, who are going to catch this on a podcast later, there is this piece of machinery over Jonathan's shoulder that looks like it was built in 1975. Oh, it, it's I think it's an 80. It's uh, it is an it is an Apple IIe, and okay. um, so it, it is a later. So it is uh, it is super old, and um, I I sounded I said, 
that's not being thrown away and it's going in my office. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Apple to that was back. That was before the uh, iPod came out for sure. Um, sure, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> no, just a um, little bit. <laughs> you know, you're going through. You know, a lot of these uh, kind of planning and things. You have uh, you have obstacles that arise as well, right? Um, yeah. and. I have people come all the time and it's like, Hey, let's do a service project. It's like, I think that's a great idea. I love service projects um, because service projects get you into this frame of mind where um, life is not about me. Yeah. Right. And ultimately that's the important thing. You know, it's about how we get out and serve, you know, other people. How do we recognize that, you know, what I want, what I need, what I desire is not the most important thing in the world. Um, and how do I go and do something that that is good for other people and may have absolutely no impact on me whatsoever, even. So, and then it's like, so let's get started. And so you get started and it's like, okay, well, I have all kinds of ideas, but I got to get permission and now I got to get supplies and now I got to get money and now <laughs> I got to hope that people show up um, and I want to do... I want to do an act of service that doesn't make someone else feel um, less than, oh, mm -hmm. you didn't think I could do that for myself? It's like, no, that's not the case. We just want needing something to do and we were here and we noticed this. And so initiating that can be an obstacle as well. Um, you find those little obstacles when you start the process of, of planning that, and sometimes they kind of catch you off guard, you know? Absolutely. And, and I know for, for us, especially with our, our Adopt-A-School program, it, it started that way. I think with uh, some people look at, they saw a video online, if I remember correctly, because it started right before I got here or the year before I got here when they saw people doing little gift bags for teachers. And they were like, oh, that would be really cool. And well, someone you in your church saw that? Yeah, I think it, it was either some, a member or maybe it was the, the minister's uh, wife, but we they saw this right. video and they're like, that is super cool. We should do something like this. And when you live in a small town, when everything revolves around the school system, everything, everything is school. And mm -hmm. then when you have a school board member and you have lots of teachers, you also use the talent you have. Mm -hmm. you, know, you kind of pull on those people and say, hey. How can we make this happen? And um, from talking with Matthew, um, the minister, the pulpit minister here, uh, I know the first idea that was pitched, the member said, oh, that's, that's too small. <laughs> we want to go bigger. And, and that kind of contradicts what I said before. But they were like, we can do more than just one thing. And, uh, and it's grown into, and I'm going to kind of into something where we have something every month we're doing for, for a school you know, when we adopt a school and uh, for not just the teachers, but the whole staff. And mm -hmm. it's part of just saying, hey, then the approval comes with once you get that approval done, because people are already invested. You're tapping into something where you don't have to re-educate people on why this is important. Right. You're capitalizing on interest and desires that are already there. And that's also why you mean starting small. You don't have to recreate something and then tell everybody why we need to be doing it. There might be something people are already saying, this is a need, but we don't, but we don't know how to meet that need yet. And then mm -hmm. that's where the creativity for 
on our end can come from. Yeah. The, so I think some of the biggest obstacles come when I'm trying to do a service project that I want to do. And I haven't really considered if someone else has any desire to do it or not, or if it's really even needed, I perceive it to be a need. It'll look good. It, it good. And, but the people who we're going to serve may not see it as a need whatsoever. I'm going to come repaint your fence. Like what's wrong with my fence? My kids painted that fence 20 years ago. Don't you dare touch my fence, you know? So, you know, there are things Always did like it without that. asking and they get all upset, right? Don't do yeah. that, by the way. Don't do not do that. Don't go do something without asking. Um, uh, you know, because there are some of those things that you just can't anticipate, yeah. right? And so, you know, what you said about, hey, someone recognized something and someone mentions it. And so you have that idea that is born in the minds of the people from, from whatever inspiration they got it from. And, you know, our temptation a lot of times is to take that momentum and shift it where we want it to go. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes it's just the way our minds work, but instead say, I'll tell you what, I like where you're going with that. I'm going to take your idea or your momentum, apply it to your idea. I'm going to massage it a little bit because I might understand the logistics a little better than you do. Um, but because we can see that there's already a passion around this area, um, we're going to trust that, you know, we're kind of being led in that way of, of source, you know. And so you, I think you can eliminate a lot of the obstacles by capitalizing on the momentum in the area that it's in. Uh, and, and look, let's, let's be honest. It's, it's really hard to not get behind schools, right? Yeah. Um, whether it's the kids or the teachers or the staff, I mean, we recognize something in all of our communities. And that is, if our schools go down, we're in trouble. It, especially this last year. If we didn't learn that yeah. and learn really how underappreciated our our teachers and the school staff are. One, one thing that, that, that I really was, that really made an impact when we were delivering our last little goodies was going to the cafeteria. Uh, so we, we right now here in our in our town, the first Wednesday of each month is a virtual day. That's the only virtual thing they're doing. They're not doing optional. They're just just once a month. They have a virtual day, but the teachers still go to school and the staff still go to school. So all the cafeteria workers were still there and they're, of course, getting stuff ready. They still have things to do for even the next day. And to be like, they're like, oh, you. You're here for me too. And uh, mm -hmm. just those things of also being aware of not leaving people out. And because that, that can be an obstacle where you don't think through everything. And I mean, obviously in a town, you can't be like, hey, we're going to, we can't help every single person in the whole town. That's just right. not feasible. But we considering what you're doing, thinking through all the avenues of, how can we make this be as successful as possible while also not making about us, but about them? And I think yeah, that, that's and, the challenge. And so you mentioned, how can we make this successful as possible? How would you define a successful service project? Um, you know, when you get to the other end, what makes you go, all right, ah, that was good. Yeah. Um, I, I would say uh, if we had people show up, 
participation, <laughs> all right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you were, if you accomplish the task, and, and what I mean by that is the not what result you want to get after the task, but if you accomplish the task. So if your task is feeding people and serving people, if your server showed up and you fed people, mm-hmm. I would say that's successful. For right. for you know we're all, we're both ministers, so if our our desired result might be, hey, we want to touch some people's lives, we want them to come to church, have a Bible study. That may not happen, right? And it doesn't mean it wasn't successful because we're still called to love people and serve people. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think if we accomplish the task, it's successful. Yeah, you know, I think about Jesus and the you know the rich young man. You know, you you see so many areas where people approach Jesus and he does something for them and we see their lives change. We see their attitude change and we see them immediately serving and worshiping at Jesus's feet. Um, You know, the rich young man is one of those where he comes up and he goes, I'm here. I'm yours. You're the Messiah. What must I do to be saved? And he tells him and and he goes and the man walked away sad Yeah, because he was a man of great wealth. Um. And so recognizing that not everyone is going to react or respond the way we would anticipate, <laughs> but our calling is to serve and to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's a good, you know, did people show up? Did we, you know, accomplish the task that was at hand? Um, and did we do it in a way that was yeah. uh, respectful and integrity? Yes, we got the fence painted, but we also broke three windows and destroyed three cars. You know, that we, that might not be a successful you know, service project, but yeah. um, the, 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 see, I won't say the minister's kid, the elder's kid grabbed a paintbrush and ran, <laughs> and ran in circles and painted the car on accident. You know, that's yeah. not what we want to happen. No, but, uh, it, it is, you know, about understanding and getting people to look outside of their own lives, outside of their own needs, outside of their own structure and say, what can I do to impact the lives of other people? And, and ultimately that is what a service project is about. Yeah. Um, and, I've had, I've had, I had a group come, Aaron's group came from Topeka and I had projects lined up. I had enough projects lined up to fill like three weeks. They were here for three days. One by one, they started canceling. One by one, they started falling out. And so by the time we got done, we had a little bit of work to do around the building and we had a little bit of work to do at the elementary school across the street, painting the fence, um, kind of sprucing up some playground equipment, repainting the lines that the kids follow on the sidewalks. Is that Broadmoor? Um, Audubon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah, Broadmoor closed. Broadmoor Middle School closed. So, yeah. Um, you know, and it was kind of, it was like, yeah. And, then we, you know, we got some mulch and we, you know, we cleaned up the, you know, the trees and stuff that were there in the big front yard. And, uh, and it was kind of, uh, I was disappointed. Um, I was disappointed because of all the things that I saw. Um, but at the end, those kids made a trip. They made some connections, made some friendships. The The staff at the school was 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 so appreciative for the work that we did. Um, and it was stuff that they really needed to get done. And it was stuff that because we did it, then the, the groundskeeper for the school didn't have to do it. And so he was very appreciative of all the help that he had. And the funds um, can go to a different project. You That's know, right. Especially That's right. in Baton Rouge, very limited funds. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, had, having to look and say, you know what? We had people show up. Uh, we had people had a great time. Uh, we had people that accomplished the task that was at hand. Um, and, 
all through the process, uh, we found ways to, to glorify God through our actions and to, to learn a little bit more about what it is to serve people. So um, it's not always my goal. It's not always, you know, my anticipated um, outcome. Um, but it really simply is just about um, shaping the minds of the people that are involved. Um, and I think it's an important thing you bring up is, uh, you know, if you're dealing with a school, you know, talk about the, the staff, not just the faculty, but who all is at, you know, this place. If you're going into a community, look at it, try to see it from an outsider's perspective and say, all right, what would it look like from here? Or what if I lived in this community? What if I was a neighbor for this person and someone came in? What would that look like for me? And what would my perception be? And are there ways where we can, you know, not necessarily make the project really big and grandiose, but how can we broaden our footprint and our impact mm -hmm. by considering all of the people who are involved in that area and, and what's the perception and how can we kind of correct it? So, um, it's good, man. It's, it's, it's things that I think we need to be a little more uh, in tune with, um, a little more, you know, actively involved in. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, it's, it, I, I have a hard time sometimes trying to get um, people in the culture we're living in, even in the culture in the church that we're living in, to, to be more service oriented. Uh, we we like to um, we see it on Shark Tank all the time, right? I mean, which are the products that are um, most valued by society? Like, why do people buy Toms? Yeah, there's the mission behind it. Why do they buy Kind bars? <laughs> right, because there's a mission. I promise you, they're not buying Toms because they're comfortable, and they're not buying Toms because they're durable. Uh, they're buying Toms because they know if they buy a pair of Toms, somebody in Africa gets a pair of shoes for free. Yeah. Um, and they get a pair of shoes that are, I guess, stylish if you're into that kind of style and, and, and are functional. So, well, I mean, why did I buy this t-shirt? This was our Relay for Life shirt a couple years ago in Kentucky. And this was a shirt that was separate than our team shirt. This was mm -hmm. a shirt at the rally. And they were like, oh, we we're selling shirts to help you know, for the Relay for Life that goes toward all the, you know, research. Right. And I was like, hmm, I wouldn't pay this much money for that shirt. But I brought this I brought this much money to do stuff for this fundraiser. Eh, why not? <laughs> you know, it looks good. I mean, actually, it's a decent design. But yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, so that that helped too. But I wouldn't have bought it if it if I just saw it at, at a store. I'd be like, eh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have to take that mission mindedness and help people realize there's more to mission than just spending money. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, like we have, we have some projects that start off small, but end up being really big. And, you know, people are like, Hey, can I just send you money? I'm like, you know, you can send me money, but what I really need is I really need your your time and your body for just a couple of hours. Um, yeah. Even if it's just a couple of hours, we're going to do this thing all day long. But if you can just give me, you know, two hours, that would really save my bacon. Um, and it's, I need my bacon saved. 
Yeah, I'm like, bacon? Mm, yes, please. Bacon. That's right. No, yeah, the conversation just changed, and I might have just lost you. But <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, any uh, anything else before we uh, kind of wrap up and yeah, um, I just want to say the biggest thing that I've learned about service project is the temptation to to make it about you, and you may never get a thank you. And being okay with never getting a thank you. You know, sure, it feels great when we walk into a place and everyone's like, oh, thank you so much. We really like this. And it's easy to be like, well, thank you. You know, yeah, but it's to keep it focused on well, we're here for you, you know, and and leave and then maybe sit in some of those, you know, those compliments. But also while you're there, remember we're not here to make myself feel mm -hmm. good. We're not here to have them see how great I am. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're here just to say, Hey, we love you and be a little authentic that way. Don't fake that. If, if, if you can't show up and make it about them, <laughs> then maybe I'll take your money. <laughs> you know, true. True, Fair but enough. um, but no, for but for real, the hardest part, and that and that takes prayer, I think. And that takes just keeping in mind the passage. You know, I think it's in Ephesians, where yes, Ephesians, when Paul says, "Count others more significant or more important than yourself," that's a hard verse, but it's essential when it comes to serving others. I think so. Yeah, it really is. Um, I I really struggle with. Um, keeping our service in the form of altruism instead of evangelism. So, uh, and I tell people all the time, it was like, look, you do good things for people all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see it. Uh, we see it on social media and every time it's captured on video, people say, we need more of these stories because I know you're out there. Um, and there are humble people who are just doing good things because they're good people and it's the right thing to do. Um, I, I think our people in the church are no different. They're good people doing the right thing and for the right reason. The challenge for me becomes how do I take that from just being altruistic and humane and just being a good human to being someone who says, yes, I am a good human. I am a good person. Um, and I am doing this because it's the right thing to do. But more importantly, I'm doing it because I realize how much God has done for me. Mm -hmm. um, and my motivation changes everything. Uh, and so it, it you don't want it to be like, hey, I'm going to do this good thing for you. And now I expect you to show up for church on Sunday. Uh, and so it's it's not a quid. No one showed quarrel, up. Okay, right? well, um, January through May is going to be X'd out. That was that did not work. Yeah, like 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 even after the flood, right? I mean, we were collecting information after the flood from people who were coming in, and I was like, all right, so what are we going to do for these? Like, it's like, man, I really have a have a conscience issue of what do we do with this information it's like hey by the way you came to us when you were in a time of need and now we're letting you know that we have services from as if there's some expectation of a return for what we did for you on the other hand i gave them materials to clean their houses with 
um, shouldn't I give them something more valuable that we have as well? You know, yeah. which is, you know, a connection. And so building those roads that, that come back to begin a relationship. And as we started, you have to know your people, right? If I'm just talking to you cold and, you know, this comes across as an exchange, that's, that's not really what, what or who I want them to see the church as. But at the same time, if I can take that information and I can check back up on them in six months, say, hey, how are you doing? Some other way that we can be of service to you. Yeah. Do you need this or this or this? And then maybe in another couple of months, you, you call and you check up on them again and say, hey, just want to let you know, I, I saw that you had some kids. I got a couple of kids activities going on. And if you guys don't have a church home, we would love for your kids to come be a part and join our kids. And so you start building a relationship, you know, in that way. Yeah, that's important. I think a lot of times we're like, we want to send them, let's send them Bible studies. Well, have we asked them how we can pray for them yet? Because yeah. Yeah, people, right. more people will, will respond to how can I pray for you than come to this activity or do this Bible study. And more importantly, when you ask them how you can pray for them, um, have we prayed with them immediately yeah. in the moment when they said, here's how you can pray for me? Or did we just say, um, okay, well, oh, I man, that sounds tough. Tonight. Well, have a good day. <laughs> and I remember the first time um, I'll share this story and then we can we can close up. We're running out of time. So um, I'd been I'd been in the car business, you know, for years. All of my customers knew I was a Christian. Um, they knew what we did for the church. Um, uh, and I had one of my customers and I knew I knew her husband had cancer. We had talked about it. Uh, every time she would came, come in, I would ask her how he was doing, you know, and she kept me updated on all the things that were going on. And so over the course of about eight months, she had been kind of in and out. And she came in one time and I asked how, how he was doing. And you know, she told me and she said, um, would you pray for us? And I was like, oh, my goodness. I have not offered in all of these months to pray for them, even though they knew me and they knew as a Christian, they knew where I went to church, they knew about our family. And in that moment, I was like, I was really embarrassed. And I told her, I said, I'm really sorry. I said, I have been praying for you. And I'm really sorry that I didn't let you know that I have. And more importantly, I'm really sorry that I didn't give you a chance to participate in that by, by knowing, you know, and she said, absolutely. But, but would you pray for us? I said, you absolutely, I will. And so she grabbed my hand and she and she kind of pulled me over and she and she bowed her head. I was like, oh, she meant right now. Like <laughs> she's not fooling around. She meant right now. And so we're in the middle of the cashier's office of the car dealership. And I was like, OK, here we go. Um, we're praying and we're praying right now for for this man and his and his illness and this family. Um, and that was the point where I kind of realized the importance of not just I'll pray for you and then honoring it, but sometimes I'll pray for you. And by the way, do you mind if I do it right now? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and maybe put them on the spot. Yes, but it's not them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's doing that, but asking them and giving them that option to say, yeah, that would be great. Or man, just, just keep me in your, keep me in your prayers on the daily, you know, yeah. Um, but that was a, a powerful, powerful moment that um, Miss Barry 
um, taught me in that in that time. I was like, all right, let me be better about that. Um, that's a little little stuff. off topic, but but no, that's good stuff. Good no, of, that's good stuff. Because when you're yeah, serving people, people intend to just bleh, here's my life story, and yeah, you gotta, that's right. You gotta, you gotta be prepared for it. That's right. Um. Well, guys, we want to thank you for being here. And uh, we want to remind you of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Um, fits right along with, uh, with what we're talking about today. Do not grow weary in doing good. Um, the truth is, uh, we're living in a world that's messy. Um, life is messy. And so allow Christ to use you to do something different, something good in his name. Um, I'm Josh. Stepping in for Aaron today is Jonathan Germany. Thank you for being here, brother, on short notice. Thanks for having me. Um, and uh, until uh, next week, we'll see you next time on Behind the Beards. We're all growing a beard. A man's face should never be bare. We just want some facial hair. We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard.